Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis, Eliza Kim. And this is a new Cavaliers today. Uh, pretty exciting news. The Cavs got a third All-Star to play with their uh, phenom second-year player, Evan Mobley, um, in a trade I don't think any of us saw coming after it was had appeared that Cavs had walked away and that it was just a matter of time before the Knicks and the Jazz completed a Mitchell to the Knicks trade. And I think the Knicks were uh, not – willing to pay uh, the iron price or the Ainge price uh, as Danny Ainge extracts uh, picks out of uh, teams he trades with, like he's holding them in a vice grip and, uh, and the Cavs were. And so they were able to make uh, a trade of Colin Sexton, Lori Markinen and Okai Agbaji. Um, if I pronounce that right, uh, three first round picks and two pick swaps along with that. Uh, unprotected first round picks for Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell only. Um, Chris, gut reaction there. I just popped the cork on my tequila because I'm celebrating the trade. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, first of all, it's unexpected. Totally, I agree. Like, I can't believe it actually happened, especially like you said. I mean, there was a report that, you know, they had talked, it never went anywhere, and then that was it, you know. And then there was speculation, well, it, they may have just tri- been trying to be a facilitator of a different trade, you know, facilitator of a possible Knicks trade or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, ev- the, everybody's saying that basically the Knicks dropped the ball and the Cavs swooped in and got themselves a 25-year-old three-time All-Star and in the prime of his career on three-year contract. Top uh, scorer on a West Conference Finals team last year. Yeah, and had one of the most historic uh, playoff performances in NBA history. Um, I'm pretty sure that the only person that scored more is like Jordan in a in a playoff game. So, wow. yeah, now they – and so like – now they have a fully realized like this is what they would this is what they were hoping Colin Sexton was going to turn into, you know this is what they were hoping like a second basically a second point guard that was uber athletic, you know and that could guard up and you would reap the uh, offensive benefits of the passing, scoring, and shooting out of the guard position, and that's what Donovan Mitchell does, you know he he can shoot the ball, he can pass the ball. I mean, he does all these things better than Sexton, for sure. Um, He can defend better than Sexton. So they just got a complete package player, you know, at at the shooting guard position uh, for basically two role players. Um, 
and a rookie that was uh, a, obviously a limited, uh, you know, a limited role rookie, role playing rookie, rookie. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. Like, I can't believe it happened. I think this is one of the moves this, you know, like everybody was talking about consolidation, like they consolidated and got themselves a guard. You know, they finally solved the shooting guard position. So um, I, I'm I'm ecstatic. I can't believe it's going to happen. I just can't wait to see it. Eli, how do you how do you follow that? Uh by being a little different, um, a little, little more overall, pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, I I think I see the vision and I I'm okay with it. I think for me, as a guy who crunches numbers and looks for value on a day to day basis in my everyday work job. I don't think this is great value, <laughs> personally. Uh, I think it's kind of a steep price to pay. But yeah, three I, picks in this economy. Yeah, and I think I think it just hurts even more that <laughs> the Cavs kind of started the trade a disgruntled superstar with a lot of contract year left and Kyrie Irving to Danny Ainge, and they only got one pick, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, and now they have to turn around and give control of five draft picks for arguably a player who's probably not as good as Kyrie was at that time. So I, um, I think that's a very fair uh, gripe. Yeah. So that being said, um, I'm a little surprised that the jazz didn't take some of these reported Knicks offers. I mean, I would have taken like RJ Barrett and three first round picks and Quentin Grimes. I think that's like a home run of a deal. That's, better than any of the players you're getting from the Cavs. So I was a little surprised, but I guess that does show that the Cavs really do believe in this core and I'm all on board on uh, making a big swing and kind of announcing to the league that you really do believe in the, the core four now as I would, I think we should call them. So Garland, Mitchell, Mobley and Allen. Um, so I, I get it. I think the Cavs, are one of the few teams that would have the defensive infrastructure to make it work with two small guys. And I, I tweeted this earlier. It's not the height. It's about talent. Um, even though Mitchell is short, um, you know, he has better defensive numbers and better defensive film and a better uh, physical traits to play defense, which is, you know, the, was the concern with Sexton. So um, overall, I think I'm, good to okay with this um i'm excited that there is another all-star obviously that plays for the team we root for um but again i think a part of me to make this like a home run deal would have been to somehow get rid of lavert um to further uncog the hat that jam between the two and three um and obviously i think the jazz really wanted marketing but if they if the Cavs could have added maybe a couple another pick or a few seconds to use Levert's money instead of market, and I would feel even better about this trade, to be honest. Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. To me, and Chris and I were talking about this uh, before you got on, <clears throat> and Chris's line was that you know uh, uh, other than uh, uh, between all the rumored players coming from the Knicks and all the rumored players coming from the Cavs, uh, Laurie Markkinen is the best one. And obviously that's why Danny Ainge wanted him. 
<clears throat> I, I'm with you. I don't know how you let Danny Ainge screw you twice inside of 10 years in trades. <laughs> but I also understand that, you know, the price of elite talent uh, right has risen very steeply in the NBA. I actually think this will get addressed in the next CBA. I think they're going to get rid of a lot of these pick swaps uh, because I think you're, <clears throat> we're literally getting into Ted Stepien territory with the amount of like, there's going to be like four or five teams that control the draft in the next five years because all these teams have just traded massive amounts of picks and pick positioning to these teams. And there's going to be teams like the Lakers that literally will just be in a talent acquisition desert, if you will, in some ways uh, when it comes to uh, building through the draft. So, <clears throat> but regardless of that, uh, I'm sad to see Markinen go. He was probably, he was definitely one of my favorite Cavs last year. I don't think uh, there's any doubt that he was the fourth best Cav for Cleveland last year. And oftentimes a third best Cav, especially when Mobley kind of hit the rookie wall and, and Laurie started out the season pretty slow and wasn't shooting well and just got better as the season went on. I also am bummed that he's going to an absolutely crap situation in Utah where they're blowing up the team. And I don't think Danny Ainge uh, values players or people at all. Uh, I think he's kind of a dirtbag. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm not a big fan of, uh, and I, I hope for failure for that organization as long as Danny Ainge is there. Um, I've, I've had less and less respect for Ainge as uh, the years have gone on. So I'm, I'm hoping they blow all their draft picks and uh, <laughs> that, uh, that the Cavs come out smelling like roses. But it's a lot of upside for the Jazz, too. I mean, if Colin Sexton balls out next year and is scoring in the high 20s and Averaging five or six assists, uh, which he has every ability to do uh, if they force feed him the ball, which I don't see anybody else on that team scoring that much. Um, it's a big deal. But, you know, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Uh, the the hole at the three at the small forward position, which you alluded to a little bit, is is pretty palpable now. And I thought Lord did a great job and. It really kind of meshed with the Cavs' identity as this big three. Um, and now they don't have that. And I think it's going to change the way they play defense. I'm kind of very concerned about the pressure it's going to put on Mobley and Allen on the backside of the defense. And, uh, you know, Garland and Mitchell are not very switchable players defensively. And... Okoro has not been great at that, and I don't know if they have anybody that can kind of fill that uh, small forward spot defensively or offensively right now. So that'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess, uh, Chris, any, guys, any rebuttals? Guys, come on. Yeah, what the heck, guys? Well, I'm not trying to be down. Jeez. I'm just I, – I guess my big thing is, is – I've never the like only literally time... the whole literally the whole NBA sphere is basically saying the Cavs robbed this situation. And then you know, that's what that's what's interesting to me is like you who, who is the NBA like, sphere though? 
I'm talking about just like at large, like fans of other teams that I talk to and also like pundits and media types or whatever that cover the national news or whatever. I'm actually like, surprised they, they, too. They, all... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because like Bobby Marks, John Hollinger, Nate Duncan, they all, and even, you know, David Thorpe, they like all crap on the Cavs all the time. But they actually love these, this move for them. And I just don't, it's just weird that this is the move they really like. And uh, like all the other moves, even with the great season last year, a great unexpected season, like they were very pessimistic on the overall outlook. But now they've like all changed their tunes and they're super positive about this move, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, well, it's a star driven league. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is a star. You know, like a bona fide like playoff performer. Like he can be I mean, he carried the jazz. I mean, like seriously, like the he it was him. That was the reason why they were doing anything in the playoffs or even getting to the playoffs. So but now you're putting him in a situation where he's got uh not just an all star center, he's got an all star point guard now in the you know, a twenty one year old, twenty two year old point guard who's already been an all-star getting him the ball, like making sure that he's getting the ball and, and, uh, and you know, a, a phenom in Mobley. Yeah, exactly. You have a phenom in Mobley. Who's a defensive player of the year candidate already at year two, you know, and uh, along with, uh, you know, and that's not the only seven footer that could guard the rim. It's Jared Allen as well. Who's an all-star 24 years old. Yeah. Uh, and, and arguably, by some analytics measures, was the Cavs' best player last season. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a legitimate argument that uh, Jared Allen's better than Rudy Gobert based on Jared Allen's offense. Like, uh, Allen can actually score and do it at a high level, just as high a level as Gobert, but he can actually handle more usage. He can actually, you know... Uh, take some guys' mismatches one-on-one offensively, whereas Gobert cannot. Like, he is awful on the offensive end, uh, unless it's a dunk. So, Well, I, I would say the other side of that is he's more of a connector, too. Um, you know, he can move the ball a little better. Uh, like you said, he can put it on the floor, do a post-up. Um, he, he definitely... Yep. He doesn't just finish plays. He connects plays. So and yeah, that, yeah, the big the big passing. How many times did we see them yeah. drop you know drop dimes off to each other at the rim? Yeah, you know, and and I kind of think that's a good place to take a pause here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what this trade looks like on the floor for the Cavs. So uh, we'll be right nice. back, and uh, nice. and Eli <laughs> and I will try not to be so melancholy. <laughs> to, Welcome back to Cavs, the podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with Eli Kim and Chris Francis. And Eli, what? Do, who starts at the three for the Cavs on the roster right now? Like, who's the ideal offensively and defensively as far as you're I think, concerned? I think right now for me, um, it's ironic because Chris and I already had a conversation about this on my drive home today. But for me, if I had my choice... I think it would be Dean Wade. Um, and I know that's Jimmy Dean. It might be a little counterintuitive, but my rationale is that 
in that three spot, we should try to simplify that role as much as possible. It should be a catch and shoot role because you already have two great ball handlers and Mitchell and Garland. And then, um, you know, you want a guy who could shoot because obviously spacing the floor is key for Garland and uh, Mitchell to create opportunities and also make their own shots as well. So I'm leaning Dean Wade. My second choice is probably Okoro. And I mean, sensing the theme, my third choice is probably even Jetty Osman over like a Levert. Um, not saying that those guys are better players than Levert in a, in a vacuum, but I just think for the Cavs, finding a guy who's a true glue guy in that role is kind of the, would be the best move for the long term uh, for the season and how it looks like on the court. Because um, I think you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen when you have two Michelin star chefs already in the starting lineup. So that's my take. Hey, man, you've, you've watched uh, you've watched Iron Chef. You know, they always have them uh, celebrity sous chefs. <laughs> It's always an all-star lineup. So no, but I get it. I get what you're saying. I, I've kind of gone back and forth a lot. I'll give you another option. Uh, What if you make Kevin Love a starter again? What if your all-star three is your sophomore phenom? Is that a possibility? Me for me, I think I'd be open to trying it out. I just think the only question slash problem I have is uh, Kevin Love can't, he's a cone, like Patrick Beverly said about CP3, he's a cone. So, I'm just a little worried that if Mobley, Love, and Allen are the starting front court, that teams will be able to game plan easily against that and like start a really small four um, and make it tough for the Cavs to defend out on the perimeter and get torched from the three. Um, I don't hate the idea, but um, if maybe Love was a little bit earlier in his career, I think I would like to give that a serious shot, but I just don't think he's physically capable to do that at this age. That's a fair assessment. Um, And, you know, one of my regrets about this trade is the guy I really wanted from Utah was Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, because he can shoot a little, he's super young, super athletic, but he's a ridiculously good rebounder. And the Cavs could really use some rebounding. Um, one of my worries about, you know, this Cavs lineup is uh, Mitchell is a decent rebounder for his size uh, and obviously much better than Sexton, who was kind of was was not a good rebounder at all. And. Uh, Okoro has not shown himself to be a great rebounder so far. Um, and Levert, his numbers are okay, but I'm with you. I don't think Levert really fits. I think especially, I think Levert will, especially early in the year, be the backup point guard. And I think, you know, two of those, if I'm the Cavs, two of Mitchell, uh, Levert, and Sexton are going to be on the court all at all times early in the season. and then. You know, with the uh, with Neto getting some some slop duties, and then you know Rubio picking up the slack as the season goes on. I I don't, and I think this means Okoro is probably going to strictly play the three again. Um, I don't know, Chris. What do you what What do you think of what we talked about so far? I guess my first question to you is: Can Mowgli play the three? 
Well, oh yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's possible. I think he already has. You know, if if I'm not mistaken, from basketball, you know, uh, thanks to Basketball Reference, I'm pretty sure he has played some small forward, and I could see him continue to try and play small forward um, on the Cavs. And uh, yeah, I mean, like the idea that. Uh, Eli had that I was intrigued by and it's a little like he said it's very counterintuitive but uh I am very curious to see if possibly Chetty can fit in with that group because of his shooting because of the simplified role that they'd need from that position uh it would be interesting to see if Chetty can actually eat some minutes in that role uh I, I'm with uh, Eli. Like I think Dean Wade, if he's healthy, like it's Dean Wade's definitely the guy in my opinion. Like you know, I think he showed enough last season, and you know the the eye test meets the analytics. Like the lineups, the starting lineups with Dean Wade were incredible last year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so like Dean Wade's the obvious choice, but I just wonder if Chetty might actually fit in there just because of all the open threes that he's going to get you know, or, you know, and, and, and being able to focus on just uh, being a perimeter defender, uh, not having to guard uh, up with fours and stuff like that. I think, uh, you know, those are the two most intriguing ones. I agree with you that I think Okoro's in line and even Karras maybe. Like, that's the thing is I wonder, and I don't know what you guys think, but I, like, how much, how much three do you think Karras Levert is playing this season? Like how much now that now the move's been made now Laurie an option has been removed at the three how much do you think they're going to try Karis Levert at the three? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, Karis Levert has played the three before. I think he was a three fairly regularly early in his career for Brooklyn. I I don't hate the idea. My problem with it is is he's not he's a guy who holds the ball a while. Uh, and, and he's very herky-jerky, and a lot of, of his moves are real ISO. And if you're the Cavs, that doesn't really make sense with that starting lineup when you've got two fantastic pick-and-roll guards along with two fantastic pick-and-roll bigs. Like, he's just doesn't make a ton of sense there at the three. I think what I said where he's going to be the third guard a lot of times makes a million times more sense. I mean... Isaac Okoro. That's a good point. point. You know, Chetty and Okoro and Wade are all going to be content to fire a corner and and above the break threes. Um, I I don't think there's anything that is going to prevent that. I I really don't see Levert starting. I I would be surprised to be honest with you, unless it was like a token starter where he just kind of subs out after five minutes. Uh, what about you, Eli? Um, what what do you think happens to Levert? I agree. I think Levert probably is your third guard. But I guess one gripe I do have about this trade is I kind of wish we had this trade earlier in the offseason because the Cavs could have definitely restructured how they attacked free agency. And, um, you know, I guess in my mind as the pessimist, most pessimistic of the group here, I feel like, um, if the Cavs knew that they were going to get Donovan Mitchell this offseason, I'm not sure they would have brought Rubio back, to be honest. 
And I think they might have, you know, tried to go all in for Kyle Anderson as their big free agency pickup. And I think that would have really made the team pretty, a little bit more balanced. I think, you know, the Cavs are very top heavy at the smalls and the big. I actually think the opposite. I think that Rubio was, the Cavs signing Rubio was a reason why Donovan was open to coming to Cleveland because they're clearly close from Utah days. Yeah, yeah, I'm I with mean, you. Their relationship is good, but like the fit in Utah, I don't think was uh, supremely great. I mean, Ruby only lasted there a season, right? So I think two. I, okay. They were but, good, um, though, weren't they? They made the playoffs. Yeah, right? they had good plus minus. Their defense was great. And I think ah, if. There we go. Yeah, I think if I look at it from the cast, if I'm trying to be Kobe Altman, I think the way he's looking at it is the Cavs were top five defense last year, um, but a bottom five offense. I think this move gets your offense to probably middle of the pack, maybe like in the teens. Hopefully top Um, 15. Yeah, hopefully top 15. But but even if you're in the top, let's say, you know, 15, 16, 17, that's a dramatic in, uh, improvement, and I don't think your For defense sure. is going to slip that much because you're basically tra- you're you're keeping your two best defensive players entrenched in the lineup. So, I think that's how he's thinking, and I can get that overall picture for sure. The yeah, it gets worth the swing on that. Um, but I just think that there still kind of is a weird logjam on the Cavs. They have a lot of guys who aren't a three and D guys. And that's like what they've missed. And they just still continue to need that. Even they have three and they have Andy, but they really (laughs) don't have a lot in the same player. Like Dean Wade, like you guys talked about, is probably the closest that they have on the team. And he's clearly, you know, never done it in extended minutes over the course of a whole season. Correct. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's a, it's a conundrum, but I mean, this is a, a long-term project, right? Like, they weren't going to solve every problem, you know, in right the offseason. No. You know, like, especially with a core this young, you know, like, they were, I just saw a roster of the ages, and it's like 21, 22, 24 years old. Donovan Mitchell's going to be the oldest guy at 25 years old. Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, elder statesman Kevin Love, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Chetty Osman is an old guy on this team. Curse Levert's <laughs> He's 27, an old guy. isn't he? Like huh? 27? Levert's an old guy, too. He's at 28 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, as well as, you know, Brooke Lopez, the the crazy old man and the, they bring out of the cave <laughs> when to scare the scare the young guys. Yeah. I, I So one of the questions that I have um, – I've been thinking a lot about what uh, what the offense looks like. I, you know, we can talk about the defense, but the offense is going to be really interesting because I think at times both Mitchell and uh, Garland are going to have to play off the ball. Well, not have to. I mean, there's only one ball. Um, I think Garland probably does that a little bit better because he's such a great spot up shooter. Um, but I also think you'll see Mitchell cutting from the wing a lot too. Um, but the other thing is, is like I talked about, they're just so both such ridiculously good pick and roll players that they're really going to be able to match up on 
I think that's one of the things that I really look at is they were just not able to yeah, attack. Yeah, now you talking, Nate. Now yeah. you talking, baby. I, I think one of the things that is a vision for this move is Trey Young whooped him in the playoffs last year, um, and a lot of that blame went on Lori Markkinen, which I, I think was completely unfair because they were starting Okoro at the two or starting LaVert. I can't remember which one. LaVert, they started LaVert, but he had foul trouble. I think they're going to totally match up Hunt and destroy guys like Trey Young in in the postseason. Like, if you are a bad defensive guard, the Cavs are going to own you. You know, I, I think yes, it puts sir. Miami in trouble, yes, to be sir. honest with you. Speak on it, Nate. Yeah, I think it puts Miami in trouble, and that's why you have to have shooting on the floor so teams can't just zone up on you. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, there was some footage of how great Colin Sexton's floater is. Um, and part of the reason he's so good at getting by guys, but the other reason his floater is so good is once he gets to the, the paint, nobody can come to the nail because he's got Mobley and Allen behind him for those lobs. Um, now you stick, uh, you know, Mitchell on the wing for a kick out. Or you run it the other way with uh, Garland in the corner or Mobley in the corner. And as long as that other guy that's sharing the court with you is a competent uh, wing three-point shooter, that is ridiculously hard offense to stop. Um, and, and I would say the other thing that they need from those lineups is uh, is screen setting. And, you know, freeing guys up without the ball is, is something they didn't do great last year. Uh, and that's one thing that I think a Ricky Rubio helps you tremendously. Um, I I think Karis LeVert's minutes go way down when uh, Rubio comes back because I think Rubio is such a great fit with both those guys uh, for what he does offensively and defensively. So it's I'm super excited to see what it looks like offensively. I don't know. Um, what, what about you, uh, Eli, any insight into what the offense looks like? And I think after we come back, we'll talk about the D. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think, um, I think the goal is instead of kicking out to Isaac Okoro in the corner, what if you're kicking it out to Darius Garland in the corner, you know, or Donovan Mitchell in the corner and it doesn't really even have to be three point shooting. Those guys are so smart and good with the ball that they can create opportunities for everybody, including themselves. I mean, Mitchell's a Mitchell. I mean, his numbers actually surprised me. I thought he was kind of a chucker and had bad percentages from three, but he's up to like 36% on like almost nine attempts a game. So, um, you know, he's, he's demonstrated in his career that he can shoot the three on the dribble, off the dribble. Um, you know, yeah. And I hope he brings some of that Utah three happy offense. Yeah, for sure. So I think that um, the offense is going to really roll or run around those two guards taking, I mean, for lack of a better term, taking turns and creating mismatches for the rest of the team. And I think Allen and Mobley are going to get a ton of easy buckets, whether it be on lobs or just simple cuts to the basket and rotation. And the only piece they need is a, is a three-point shooting guy who's like six eight and who can play a little defense. I mean, that's literally all they need to make this 
offense and defense essentially unstoppable in my opinion. Um, so yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but what we're talking I think about. if there is one thing I I do have a little bit of a hesitancy to commit to is I think Mitchell does like the mid range pull up game a lot, especially when things get a little tight and. Um, that's the only thing that kind of scares me a little bit is that when things get tough, is he going to bog it down like Sexton did? Is he going to just t- pass up open threes and take a long two? I mean, I think I just have flashbacks to the Clippers series where that's basically what it looked like. He was they, they shot the most threes in the season, and then once they got to the playoffs, they just got scared and started taking a bunch of mid-range shots because they, they were getting closed out on. And adjusted to. I, so. I think that plays a lot into what the chemistry was like in Utah too. And I, I want to get into that a little bit as well when we come back. So uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs podcast. Chris Francis is here. Eli Kim is here and I'm Nate Smith. And we're going to throw it to Chris and he's going to give you his thoughts on the Cavs offense with uh, Donovan Mitchell and what that's going to look like. Well, I, what I wanted to mention was, well, first of all, you guys are spitting right now because that's exactly what's going to happen is the offense is going to look freaking amazing. Uh, I think the worry about uh, Donovan Mitchell's mid-range game, uh, I mean, I'm on dunks and threes right now, and they have him at in the 85th percentile in mid-range shooting at 48%. So he's basically an elite mid-range shooter. So I'm completely unconcerned about him chucking uh, mid-range shots. My thing, well, and and to be honest with you, guys that can do that consistently, that's why they shine in the playoffs because when things yep. get tight, they still have another option. Yep, exactly, exactly. So. Uh, my my only concern with Donovan Mitchell is this, and it speaks to your chemistry point, Nate, is that uh, there was some insane stat about Donovan Mitchell like not passing to Gobert, like he only passed to Gobert like twice on a pick and like in a, on a pick and roll like all season or something. Like it was some just bizarrely insane stat that you would not freaking believe, you know, if you'd heard it, and it was just basically. The thing was, was that Mitchell, like his ongoing beef with, uh, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he got COVID from him too. So, I mean, I could be pissed about that maybe, you know, uh, but like the Rudy Gobert. From typhoid Rudy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like, uh, you know, the beef with Gobert, like he, like, that's the thing that worries me about Mitchell is like, is he going to be a diva and freeze like Mobley out or freeze Allen out? Like that shit cannot happen. Like that's what's going to ruin this whole thing is if, if Mitchell's not making those reads, the proper reads and getting the ball to our bigs at the rim, because that's what's really going to make us go to the next level is having Garland and Mitchell being able to get the ball to our bigs at the rim in a, in so many ways. You know what I mean? Finding so many easy baskets that way, just like uh, I think Eli was saying about the offense. So, like, my concern about Mitchell is, like, is he going to go diva mode and, like, start 
you know, focusing on an agenda rather than playing winning basketball. But I guess, you know, their concerns are, you know, there's apparently, you know, I would assume Kobe's concerns about that are, have been allayed, you know, by talking to Donovan Mitchell's people. So, you know, uh, I think, uh, you know, that's what, you know, that's what I have to say about the offense. I'll throw it to you guys for the defense. I mean, just responding to that, all the reports were that he was ecstatic when he heard the trade. I don't think it's any secret that Utah is probably not the most popular place to play (laughs) in the NBA. I mean, shout out to Vernon Maxwell. Here's the thing. Like Cleveland has a much better rep than Utah (laughs) right now. And Cleveland was kind of considered like Siberia for the NBA. And, you know, guys like, uh, guys like Ricky and guys like Garland and, um, you know, and all the champion Cavs have talked up how great the fans are, how great the city is, um, that it's an easy place to play. And I think that helps a ton. Uh, and let's be honest, the fans in Utah uh, are have a reputation for being a-holes <laughs> and, uh, and not the most racially sensitive of fans. So I think that has uh, worn on him for a long time. And obviously there's been stuff going on with Rudy for years. Um, It was a weird situation. They've had weird coaches. They have weird ownership situations where their old owners were cheap. And then they sold to this tech billionaire who sold part of the team to Dean Wade or not Dean Wade. <laughs> uh, Dwayne, no, not Dwayne Wade. The other Wade. D, the, the other, other Wade. D Wade. What's his first name? Dwayne. Dwayne Wade. Sorry. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, I I kept seeing. Never mind. Anyway, uh, it was a weird year. It was a weird season. Weird situation. And they then Quinn Snyder walked away because the situation was likely right. toxic. No, you're right. He they, totally just left. Right. Who did they hire? It was a weird hire. Oh, uh, who did they hire? Is it hot googling action? Yeah. It's, it's, it's time. <laughs> yeah. This is everybody's favorite song. Kyle Whittingham. Oh no, that's Utah football. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't sound right. Will Hardy, okay, as obscure a name. Oh, um, uh, from Boston, right? Yeah, he he was a Boston assistant. Yeah, yeah. So, um, everybody like, I mean, like, I guess hardcore NBA fans really like the hire as far as like just they like Will Hardy. You know, is that his name? Um, but uh. But yeah, I, you're you're uh, you're spitting right now. I'm telling you, man. Like, yeah, I, the situation I it, was messed up in Utah. Yeah, and I think it helps that the Cavs' oldest star is Donovan Mitchell, and I think he really chafed at you know being the offensive engine and Rudy Gobert just kind of being the guy there before. And it, it'll be interesting to see how much he embraces the team vibe because. The Cavs have definitely had that good vibes chemistry and, you know, Kevin Love has really ushered in that by kind of stepping aside and becoming the older statesman. And Rubio. And, and, and Rubio, I mean, Rubio, absolutely. Rubio, the, I mean, I think did you say, hear me say absolutely, oh? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think Rubio's the secret sauce to all this, to be honest. Like, on his signing now becomes, I think... On the floor and off for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Both, both. Absolutely. He, he, he does, he's, his impact is just, like, he's the vibes commander. That's, that's who Rubio is. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, first officer in charge of vibes. Exactly. Thank you, sir. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. You and I have just babbled forever. Eli, what do you think of the chemistry? Like, do you believe all the Utah stuff? Um, do you think it's going to improve or are you worried that you do you have worries? I guess. And I'll just leave it at that. I think it's a good sign that uh, Donovan Mitchell is already embracing the Cavs players uh, on social media. Um, but I also agree with your. Uh, like, he hated the situation you thought. He hated Rudy Gobert. And he did, I mean, he showed maturity and leadership by never publicly throwing him under the bus, even though he had many, he had basically everyone on his side, they agreed that Rudy Gobert was, like, the villain. Um, and the league hates Rudy Gobert, but he never, like, came out in public and thrashed him, I felt like, even though he had every opportunity to. And, Chris, in regards to your stat, I looked it up. The... The crazy stat that everyone pointed to about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert was that uh, in the playoff series, he made two passes to Gobert, and one of them happened to be the game-winning shot be, uh, that Gobert hit in like game two um, <laughs> this year, and it was like one two of two passes. passes. Yes, two passes in the playoffs. In the series, yeah. In the series. Well, yeah. that's just because Gobert's screens were so good. He was just getting uh, all the way to the cup. <laughs> I love it. Yes, Nate, Nate on the defense. I love it. Yes, I rest my case. Yeah, but um, absolutely. <laughs> I think I think it's super encouraging that uh, him and Garland have a little bit of uh, you know, they've already connected on social media. They've already well, and they have national team history, right? Yeah, that's why I was Correct. just gonna say, Nate. Yeah, right. And then did, here's, did they play here's, on Team USA together. I think they both are trying um, out. Yeah, well, I think Mitchell played on Team USA, but um, Garland was in camp, and you know we saw right. how good oh, he looked, yeah. and then right. uh, it was really a prelude to his season. All the rumors about how good he looked in camp, and that he was kind of ready to take the next step. Mm-hmm. And then let I me drop it. a little bit of a apparel knowledge: uh, Rubio, Mobley. And Donovan Mitchell are all Adidas guys. So uh, Rubio already tweeted, can't wait for the Don for to be in the Cavs colorways, which is the Don is uh, Donovan Mitchell's uh, signature shoe deal. That's what they call a signature shoe. So um, I think Mobley will probably stop wearing the Dame Lillards and switch to that as well. So. Just another wow. small chemistry point um, for those guys to all wear the same brand, go against Nike and MJ. Um, but um, just one other minor point of chemistry that wasn't uh, wasn't KG an Adidas guy? I think yes, so. T Mac so. was. Yeah, KG was too. Yeah, because I remember him from the commercials. So, I mean, I'm just drawing another Mobley KG comparison. I love there, it. So. Yes, sir. Eli the hype beast too. Nice. <laughs> Eli, I got are you a sneakerhead? Um I was a little bit more active when I was younger, but after I bought a house, I'm 
definitely not a <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard to extract that. value <laughs> as a sneakerhead it is and it's like yeah. i just don't have time like i have yeah. to like, do all these things instead of meeting sketchy dudes at the mall to start shoes <laughs> Oh, wow, 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 you got, man, you didn't stand in line, oh, boo. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that, that is fantastic, Eli. Um, I, I don't know, uh, so give me a letter grade on this trade, uh, Chris. Oh, I'm going A minus, A minus, easy, easy A. Eli, I mean, the, the only minus, the minus is, the minus is literally just a shout out to my boy Laurie Marketing, because I love him. He's awesome. <laughs> the big finish. The big finish. You know, I I was looking, I was really looking forward to year two, Laurie. I mean, uh, he was looking great in international play. Like I just, you know, I, he beat the rap. You know, I feel like he's gonna have like a Jordan Clarkson type renaissance post Cavs. You know, just. He's going to make a name for himself, you know, and, and, you know, it started with a good season with the Cavs. So, oh, I um, hope he's in the league for another 10 years. Like it, oh, it was, and yeah, like he had a bad reputation. You remember the beginning of the season when Bulls fans were just complaining about him? Non-stop oh, my God. I'm so sick of Bulls he, fans. He too. was Jeez. just yeah. a delight this year. Like I had yeah. no issues with him the entire I, You know, there were some issues at the beginning, but he's just, but he was just embraced the role. Uh, played out of position, arguably, um, just was fantastic to root for. I wish he yeah. was back with the team. That I, dunk on Jokic, Jokic, oh, yeah, the Joker dunk, the and Joker that wasn't dunk. the only time he went coast to coast this year. Exactly, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to miss a that minus, guy. A minus. Uh, shout out to Laurie Marketing. That was for you. <laughs> what about you, Eli? What's your letter grade? Man, or you like, can even go non-letter grade and be like Evergreen University and give it a personal evaluation. No, I'll give it a letter grade. I think I'm going to go with a B minus. Um, I mean, I think that's a tough. lot of us would be happy with B minuses in school. Any eighty percent? I mean, that's not that's not bad. Um, I just your think mother that, would ground you for months if you. Well, yes, because I'm. Korean American. <laughs> if I was a different ethnicity, they might also have given me a hundred dollars. Uh, but I think <laughs> that the uh, I just think the cost and the overall team building picture still kind of remains a little murky to me, and that's why I think when you're giving a five control of five picks unprotected. Well, and, and honestly, six because Agbaji is yeah, a rookie. Agbaji, correct. I think when you're giving up that much, you got to like get, you got to get like Vanderbilt or Bogey, or at least re- alleviate your cap situation so that you're not like you're ten million under the luxury tax instead of three. Like you just can't give. Yeah, like all why that couldn't they have flipped Chetty? And Windler for bogey, or even like, like I said, got Jared Vanderbilt or something. Like, throw me a freaking bone here, people. Like, get a small forward. Yeah, and then like I said, the part, the part that kind of makes it frustrating is, um, you know, if if the Cavs knew they were going to get Donovan Mitchell and they were going to be a real player for him, they should have done it when Royce O'Neal was still on the Jazz. They could have made it a huge trade back then. 
Um, obviously, prices change and demands change, so I get it. It's not linear, and we can't, we can't, um, you know. Yeah, and, and in a way, you can kind of uh, look at it as a similar situation to the way the Cavs got Lori Markin in last year, where yeah, for sure. they waited waited out the summer, and then you know he was still sitting there, and they had Nance was a little disgruntled, and you know similarly Sexton this year. And they found a way, you know, credit to Rich Paul. He found a way to get Colin Sexton paid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, you, that's actually a great point. 472 uh, beats the hell Fully out guaranteed. of 340, which is what, what yeah. the Cavs were at. So he nearly doubled his money. But they still blew it. They still got 75 cents on the dollars. Should have taken the deal last year. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. Um, hopefully not talking to myself like I just did for two minutes when I muted myself. Um, and I'm here with Chris Francis and Eli Kim. And uh, we gave our letter grades. I feel like I got to give this grade, uh, you know, needs improvement. I don't feel like is right, but um, lacking uh, long-term vision. Um, I think the biggest problem with this trade is this, you know, the only time in the last, the only time we've ever seen a two small guard lineup win an NBA championship is the Toronto Raptors. And they had an all world uh, small forward named Kawhi Leonard. And that's part of what made that work. And then, you know, Pascal Siakam at the four and then a, uh, who was playing five that year? Wasn't it uh, uh, Marcus All? I believe a mix of yep. Marcus All and uh, Siakam. Siakam, and then uh, who was the? Uh, I can't remember the guy that fought with uh, Keish Chris with Marquise Danny, Chris. Danny Green was on that squad too. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember who the other center was, but I can't. Serge Ibaka. So oh, yeah. Serge Ibaka. Yeah. Um, the one thing that concerns me more than anything is the Cavs have built a team of very good guards and very good bigs and a lot of question marks at the wing. Um, you know, everybody on that in the, on the Cavs roster has a question mark at the wing right now. I mean, I know you guys like Dean Wade. I like Dean Wade too, but he's never, you know, stayed healthy for a full season. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering um, you know, so my grade is, you know, lacks long-term vision. I'm kind of wondering, are there other wings out there that the Cavs could conceivably get? Um, and I'm going to answer my own question and kind of throw a name out there that is a guy the Cavs should look at. And that is from the San Antonio Spurs. Um, now I can't remember stupid name, but <laughs> I should be prepared for these things. Um, oh, what's his name? That's gonna drive me crazy. Hot Are you guys still there? Action. Hot googling action. That's right. Uh, Spurs roster is ah, I know it's gonna well, drive here, me crazy. I got, I got a name. I got a name for you, Josh Richardson. Eh. Eh. Okay. I mean, ten okay. points a game, solid three point shooting, good no, defender. No, it, but I think he plays more. He's more of a two. Like he's another tweener. You know. Well, I'm I'm with you, but beggars can't be choosers. 
Sure, sure. No, you know they need okay. shooting. So I got a name for you, but I but I need Eli's capology uh, to figure out if it can actually work. But uh, how about Andrew Wiggins? No, what what is wrong with you? <laughs> He's a free agent. He's a free agent next year, not this yeah. year. next year. The Cavs aren't going to have the cap to sign him though. Yeah, they won't anymore because. Yeah, so how uh, how does Mitchell affect the cap? Like, because they were on pace to have like thirty million in cap space next season, next off season. Yeah, but now they won't because because of Mitchell. Mitchell basically fills that space. Yeah, out. yeah, and Kevin Love is dropping off, and Dylan Windler drops off, and I think Chetty. And Chetty has one more year. He has a player option. Um, yeah. Or, no, the no, Cavs have a team option. option sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Chetty could drop off. So they could clear a good bit of cap. No, but... they could. I mean, they, they could also renounce rights to Okoro next offseason. So they that would clear up another $7 million, $8 million. I don't think they would do that, though. He's too young. Probably and he's so. going to win that unless, starting role and be awesome. They can get like a, unless they can make a splash in free agency, right? I mean... Yeah, but the way it's set up, they almost have to do a sign and trade. Yeah, they'd have to they'd have to do the team option way before, I think. But I don't I mean in theory I don't hate it. And Chris Fedor actually talks about Andrew Wiggins a lot more than I thought he would as a potential three and D fit. So obviously he's getting information from the front office on stuff, something like that. So Ooh. But did, did Eli just drop some, just drop some like trade slop. I think he did, or some <laughs> trade slop. Well, I think the problem is with Mitchell. It, it really does change your calculus on your team building and your cap that hasn't been taken into account at this point. Yeah, so. and take us through the whole Mobley thing because I kind of understand it, but I'm not sure all our listeners do. Yeah, so. In the CBA, there's a rule called the designated rookie extension rule, which basically means that each team can have two players where you give them a five-year extension before they enter their fourth and final year of their rookie deal. Um, So prime example, the Cavs have one, Darius Garland. Next year is his fourth season, but because they utilized this clause, they were able to give him a five-year extension um, so basically they have six years of control um, entering the season because of his last year of his rookie deal. And then the five-year extension he signed. The wonky rule is that you can only have two of these players on your team. You can trade for only one of these players at a time, but no, even if you trade for one, you can only have two max. So Donovan Mitchell also received a designated rookie extension. So the Cavs are currently capped out at the two, with at the limit of two. The interesting part is, um, and I think this is par- probably part of the reason why it's not a huge deal. If Donovan Mitchell were to opt out of his deal when he has a player option, that is the year that Mobley can sign the designated um, rookie extension uh, deal. So that would allow Mobley to get a five-year extension, and I think Mitchell could then sign a four-year max-level dollar-wise extension at that point, too. Yeah, and let's be honest. If the only way Mitchell's not opting out that season 
is as if he signs a massive extension or which obviously in this scenario doesn't make sense or, you know, he has a hint, an injury or just falls off the face of the earth. Uh, I don't see that, you know, the odds of any of those things happening are pretty low as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And then um, I think technically you're allowed to, which obviously a lot of people don't risk this, but if Mitchell were to opt in because of a catastrophic injury or some other unforeseen circumstance, Mobley would just be what Sexton is right now, where he'd just play a fourth year and then he'd be a restricted free agent where you could still sign him to a five-year deal. But obviously that doesn't give players of his caliber a lot of uh, comfort or happiness because they want that five-year fully max guarantee. Oh, I, I, and why deal. wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. The other question I have around that is, is a designated rookie, is that a higher salary uh, because of that? Or if he were to only sign a four-year deal, could they pay him the same salary, but it would be over four years instead of five? No. So there is a kicker. Um, okay. You can, you can earn like, if I think if you, the reason you want to do that is so you could be, you can be super max eligible um, with the team that drafted you. So got it. That's why. That's why it's interesting because all the agents tweet out the dollar amount, including if they were to reach all the incentives and trigger that number. Um, so like you'll see like job rants, deal say like five year, 222 million, I think. But unless he's like all NBA two out of the next four years, he's at five years, 182 million, which is where Garland is also at right now, which is the max max number anyway. Well, and the other thing about the whole thing is, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen with the new CBA. Um, and, of course, the players and the league both have an opt-out uh, by this January, I believe, uh, to renegotiate starting next summer. So it's definitely, you know, who knows what the future looks like. So, you know, going for the now makes some sense. Hey, at least in my mind, you know, don't agree with me all at once. <laughs> anyway, no, I, no, I, I, no I, I totally agree because, I mean, right now as it currently stands, if there's a new CBA, like Donovan Mitchell's contract all of a sudden looks like a bargain. Oh, yeah. If it, well, yeah, and I think it, it maybe not so much the CBA, but when the new TV deal kicks in, uh, which is, I think, uh three seasons away uh, that's going to be oh, okay. major gotcha yeah yeah i mean i don't see a huge spike with this new cba i think the owners and the players are going to push back on each other pr- pretty hard and i don't think the br bri changes much but what i think owners it's going to be a twofold thing I think owners are very much looking at this uh, Kevin Durant situation and not very happy about it. And I think the other part of that is if I'm the commissioner and I'm concerned about the future of the league, these uh, lousy teams controlling all the draft picks concerns me a great deal long term. I don't think that's great for the league. So we'll see what we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and interesting enough, a lot of people thought like we we're destined for a stalemate um, like this year because both 
parties have the option to like opt out. Yeah. Opt out. But I think lately the, the feedback and like the rumblings from the big national guys like Zach Lowe, um, John Hollinger is that both parties are probably not going to opt out this year because they know that the TV deal rights is more important. I think everyone wants to see what those numbers look like and then they'll fight over the, the basketball related income. Um, and I think the owners are just playing the long game and saying, Hey, you know what? We'll suck it up this year. But when we know there's a bigger pie, we might back away from that 50, 50 deal. We did, you know, the last CBA negotiations that led to a lockout. So I think that's the game plan and what the rumblings have been lately in the podcast I've listened to. Interesting. And I think the other big uh, thing is the uh, uh, would be also expansion um, and as well as uh, whether they get rid of the age, uh, the 19 year old age cap, um, you know, one year out of high school is the other big thing. And with that, uh, we'll be back in a minute for uh, I won't say the second hour, but at least start the second hour. Uh, uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to Cats Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Eli Kim and Chris Francis. And I wanted to talk about what do you think the ceiling for this team is this season and beyond and kind of, uh, you know, regular season and postseason. Where do you see now that we've added, you know, Donovan Mitchell um, if you look at just straight, like, let's pick a metric like uh, EPM, and you just add wins that Lori Markinen provided versus wins that uh, Donovan Mitchell provided last season, uh, that's five additional wins for the Cavs, uh, which is a big number. Um, wh- where Vegas do you see the Vegas moved the over-under accordingly? Oh, did they? Yeah. They uh, did. It would have been... Boy, I wish I'd have bet the over on the old line. But I know, ain't that the truth? <laughs> it was like it was literally six free wins. Like you, you got well, like you just said, like five, five to six free wins. Yeah, yeah, that that was the difference. Yeah, well, I I feel that my back in the napkin uh, analytics were were pretty spot on there. That's so, but what job, about you? Uh, so, what's the line at now? I believe it's at forty eight and a half or forty eight. Okay. Uh, gosh, I have a hard time not picking the over there now. But that might just be optimism. Wow, it's funny because it's funny because when it comes down to brass tacks, now <laughs> when but, it comes down to brass tacks, you are a definitely a fan. <laughs> but let let me caveat this by saying I don't put nearly as much stock in the regular season win loss record as as I do in how the playoffs shape shape out. And I'm not sure, sure that picture is as clear as the, the games. Um, so, what, so how many your, wins you what's got? What's your ceiling? That? What's your ceiling? What you got for wins? Uh, or just outcome. I'm going to, I'm going to give outcome. the ceiling at 53 wins. Um, Damn. What, yeah, what did 53, what, what did 53 wins get the Eastern conference last year? That's, that's uh, like a top four seed, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good question. What about you, Eli? How many wins? Man. 51 wins would have gotten us the two seed. Oh, wow. Okay, maybe I'm being optimistic. 
Yeah, that's what I think, I'm saying. Is like you're you're you're. I think uh, I'm you're, at like forty. I'm at forty eight wins. I think you're right on the a, line, huh? Yeah, he's right yeah. on the line. I think. I think. Um. I think there. Before the trade, I was actually thinking there would might be a little bit of a regression because teams will be more prepared for Tower City. But now, because we don't, because the Cavs don't have Tower City, it's going to be another adjustment. Like teams can't rely on the same film as last year because the team has just changed so dynamically um, that I think the Cavs will sneak up on people with how good that backcourt is. And how good that front court still is. Um, but that being said, I think the East has gotten a lot better. I think COVID won't be as impactful because now players who have the vaccine and aren't significantly symptomatic can play. So I feel like there won't be as much wonkiness with the COVID out, the COVID, uh, you know, injuries. And, uh, yeah, I just think, I just think there is going to be a lot more parity this year, even at the top. So I think 53 wins might be the one seed this year. That's kind of my hot take on how the season goes. Yeah. I, I, well, 53 we wins was the one Eli? season. Eli, I, I don't think we got a season from you at all. You, you, you said a lot of things, but what, what's the ceiling in terms of wins? Oh, think, oh! In terms of wins, my bad. I thought you were oh, saying. I thought we were like, saying okay, in terms yeah, of. I mean, I can give you a outcome. scenario. I think the ceiling is that they make it to the second round this year. Because um, I'll be honest, I still think the top four is better than Cleveland. Um, you know, like Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Boston, and Philly. Uh, and Philly, I would say those. I wouldn't get. I wouldn't say the Cavs are better than any of um, those guys, assuming health for everybody. Um, but I do think this move puts them ahead of the Bulls. Um, so good feeling. I think it, the Raptors, I think it makes them pretty even with the Raptors and the Hawks. Like I think it should be a dogfight between those three teams. I feel yeah, like. Well, and then you got Brooklyn sitting there. Yeah. Like the, you talk about the team that's going to be most positively affected by the changes with COVID. It's going to be Brooklyn. Correct. Um, but I'm still I, just not, but they're I'm old. Still just not convinced. They're old. Yeah. No, 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 I'm, I'm with you. You think that falls apart and they end up moving Durant. Yes, sir, I am preying on Brooklyn's downfall <laughs> down with Kevin Durant, down with Kyrie Irving, down with Brooklyn Nets. They're going to be in the gutter. Mark so you, my words. So you think they find a place to send KD? I think so. I yeah. think it's I, – I, now that you say that, I feel like that kind of rings true. I, I'm saying I, let's file that away. Interesting. Does KD, end with, does KD end the season with Brooklyn? Yeah, that's a good question. What about you? What's, <laughs> what, what's your wins and what's your uh, – End of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. Like, well, I mean, it's so hard to judge. I think I want to say that they're definitely in the playoffs. I actually agree with Eli. I think the ceiling is second round. Like, that's the second round, possibly a conference semi, uh, conference finals. So I think that's the ceiling. I mean, trade Trey Young did it. So even even the even if it took uh, Ben Simmons not willing a, to dunk a basketball, you know, and, they still made and it a, a bubble year. 
Yeah, right. There you go. Well, I You're guess right. it wasn't a bubble year. The year semi bubble. The... Yeah, it yeah. was just a half bubble. Semi bubble. <laughs> um, but uh, but if we're talking long term, you know, if we want to talk long term, this is a this is a championship squad. I'm I'm going to put all my chips on the table right now. This is a championship squad. You're telling me you assembled four all stars in the young in it all before the prime of their career, having all this time to grow together, uh, you know, this team could be trouble for like a decade if they wanted to be, if they wanted to see this through stick together through, uh, Evan Mobley's rookie, uh, extension. Um, this team could be trouble for the next decade. We could be ruling the, the conference for the next decade. That's how strongly I feel about this move. And, and 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 also, it's a vote of confidence, honestly, in Garland and Mobley. I'm I'm supremely confident in them. And then they added an all star in the prime of his career to it. So, you know, we got see four, four all stars. See, to me, the whole ceiling revolves around what we think uh, what Mobley ends up being. If Mobley ends up right. being as good as we think he can be. If he is Kevin Garnett who can shoot threes, then that is a really accurate uh, depiction of where they're at. If he is strictly an inside player and um, doesn't, you know, find that ability to find that extra gear of scoring, um, because I think he has a higher ceiling than like a Chris Bosh. Um, and I think he can be a guy that can, you know, average, you know, 22, 10 and five, um, maybe yeah. not be the top scorer, but be like what, what we two. used to call yeah, him top two. slim Duncan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I think that's a, uh, that's a team that could be generational, but I think that's a huge if, and we got to see how Evan Mobley develops and, even if he becomes that elite forward, they are still, to me, a forward short, and they got to figure out a way to get another one without a lot of draft capital. Uh, that's the one part that the other part that hurts about this. It the only way I see now it does set them up for maybe in two years, um, you know, maybe drafting a Bronny James and uh, and making a reunion happen there, but uh, we'll see. I don't know, Eli. What's your long-term cap on this team ceiling? Ironically, um, I'm a little worried about the long term more than the short medium term because of the cap situation and the lack of assets going forward. I don't know how the Cavs are going to luck into a six foot eight good player who can shoot and play defense. It's uh, it happens. It does. Tari, he, they, all the they had to do was draft been... Tari Eason. But they would have. All they had to do. Yeah, but, but then they, they would have had to trade him. him. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. Dang it. Yeah. So it's um, I think the realistic routes are potentially another consolidation trade or taking a bad contract in the near future. And I I think the big thing is you've got to do what these teams have done you have to find talent that you can bring in for low money from unexpected uh places you know look at the way joe angles came into the league 
You look at the way Miami added shooters and wings out of, you know, second round draft picks and guys they got out of, uh, you know, overseas and out of the draft. I, I think those guys are there. Um, Kobe talk- Altman. I feel like I feel like you're talking about Chetty Osman. No, no. I, I don't mean, know who he's I, talking about. He's talking about Luke Travers, man. Maybe I am talking about Luke Travers or, <laughs> you know, season three Stranger Things star uh, Luke Travers. But you've got to find a way to add that talent at the bottom of your roster, develop it up and make it, you know, someone that's impactful on the court. Miami does he's that. Really freaking me out. Like Luke Travers, like he was unironically saying Luke Travers season three. No, I was. What, what were you saying? <laughs> I was saying, I was saying that you you. It was thinly veiled that you actually believe Luke Travers season three. Season three, let's go. No, I said season three of Stranger Things. Oh, because oh, he looks okay, just okay. like the the. Oh. My the bad. guy, the brother with the mullet it, and the it, stash. It, it just kind of worked both ways. I mean, it does. It does. It works on multiple levels. Yes, it does. <laughs> but, you know, Miami does that. Uh, Milwaukee does that. Uh, the Spurs have always done that. Uh, the Grizzlies do that. Uh, the Cavs have not been great about that. And they got a lot of guys on this roster. I mean, Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens are successful. Yeah, but they, that's uh, so this is what I, ju- I have to say is it's put up or shut up time for those guys. Uh, They either got to impact winning or the Cavs are going to go find somebody else because the Cavs are no longer in development mode. They're in win mode. Uh, When you got three all-stars, you're in win mode. I totally agree with that. It's a pivotal year for And I think it's much harder to do that, much easier to do that when the expectations aren't there and you're Lamar Stevens or Dylan Windler or – uh, you know, Dean Wade than it is when the lights are on and everybody's watching and the competition is act, is amped up and it's not a random night in Toronto. It's you're playing on national TV against a playoff team and teams are gunning for you because you got three all-stars. That's going to be different. You know, it's funny that D- you just mentioned Dylan Windler and <laughs> – Theoretical Dylan Windler is the perfect fit. Oh gosh, <laughs> it sucks. It's it's just driving me crazy. It's it's like it's going to drive me. Schrodinger's Windler. Yes, exactly. Oh my god. I mean, like but he is simultaneously real, hurt and not hurt. Yeah, I'm so dead serious. Like we haven't talked about his name at all, but like he's literally the ideal player to put in that role, and it's just. You know, no confidence. The, the The organization has demonstrated very little confidence, and he's really not even uh, made really that much hay when he had a chance. So it's just, you, uh, I totally agree, hundred percent agree. Put up or shut up time for that trio. It's Dean Wade, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, right? <laughs> I mean, it could be. Yeah, somebody's got to somebody's got to step up, and whoever does, if somebody does, they're going to end up being, you know, the next Joe Ingles that kind of came from out of nowhere to be a really good player. And if they don't, the Cavs got to find somebody else. They don't have time to wait for these guys anymore. You know, preach it, coach. Yeah. 
Uh, and with that, uh, we'll be right back to close this bad boy out. I We are back. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis. And Eli Kim is walking his dog. So uh, we will give <laughs> uh, him. Put him on blast immediately. I love it. I so love the it. funny thing about that, didn't Eli leave to walk the dog before the podcast started? Like, it's 12 at night. Like, how many times does your dog go out in an evening? I, 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 I worry about know. Eli's sleep schedule. I think we know who rules the roost at Eli's house, <laughs> and it's not Eli. It's not Eli. Oh, man. <laughs> I, <laughs> he's not here to defend himself. So. Exactly. I, love I don't know. It. Any... I love it. Take your shots now. Take them <laughs> right now or forever hold your peace, Nate. <laughs> uh, like, so I, I feel like we'd be a little remiss if we didn't uh, wish a melancholy happy trails to, uh, you know, first of all, Colin Sexton, who – we watched for the last four years of his career and many hoped would be the, he'd be the, well, he was the first pick of the non LeBron, the second non LeBron yeah. era. Yeah. And it was a big deal because it got him in the Kyrie trade. And yep. now that pick seems like one of many picks they sent back to Danny Ainge. But um, I, I'm wishing Colin Sexton success. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to root against Danny Ainge before Colin Sexton, but the guy never, you know, he didn't do everything we wanted on the court, but he always, he almost always played hard. Oh, at least offensively. No, I mean, he needs, he needs a little more time is what he needs. He just needs a little more time to really get down the passing aspect of the game. Uh, well, if, and if he a, could just improve like literally twenty percent on the passing game, he would be he would make that leap. He would make that leap into the conversation of Devin Booker or Jamal Murray or Donovan Mitchell. He's just not there yet, you know. Well, I, I would time. say, in a big guard that can handle the primary point guard duties, sure, would help sure. him a, a ton. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, but, I still have, I still have. Uh, a, gl- a glimmer, a, a, sh- a sliver of faith of him developing into that uh, heliocentric, you know, all in, all all tools offensive player. Um, but he just needs time, and he he got robbed of a huge critical development season. You know, that was his age twenty three season that he got robbed of. Um, almost yeah. completely. So uh, he's got a steep uphill road to climb uh losing that year and but but uh, you know that's you know shout out to the Cavs honestly because they didn't do him dirty you know they 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 sent him to a place where they he can get you know the developmental need minutes he needs to really take that leap you know and uh so uh you know and, and like you said man like he always played hard like I was a huge you know I I he you know, always repped Cleveland yeah, the teammates yeah. seem to love him. Yeah, like he was, you know, he's a he's a good dude, man. Like he, he just came across as a really good dude, a hard worker. How can you not respect a hard worker? Like, dude, you know, loves fucking basketball. Sorry, I just I'm 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 I've uh, that, I mean that's a weird fetish, but you know. <laughs> Thank you. That was good. That was good, Nate. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Yeah, um, good. Yeah, yeah, and and Lori Markinen, similarly, you know, we talked yeah. about him a little, but I just 
that guy grew on me immensely. And he was such a perfect guy with Allen and Mobley to just kind of be like, he was a seven foot blue guy. And I think he's so underrated. Um, I he's really hope big. Yeah. He's a very skilled big. And, I uh, really hope that the jazz move him for Pitts. uh, to it. I feel terrible for him that he's going to a non competitive team. Well, no, I mean, I think this is a real opportunity for him to expand his game. You know, like he kind of started expanding his game in Cleveland. You know, being at the three gives him a lot more perimeter ball opportunities. You know what I mean? And he got them uh, that he didn't really get uh, in Chicago. So um, I think there's an opportunity here for him to expand his game. I do think he'll get traded, though. I think you're right on the money. I think Danny Ainge. It wants to feature Laurie for a couple of years, maybe or just a year, and then pawn him off for like two first round picks. Well, he just doesn't fit their timeline. Exactly. Exactly. No. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I totally hundred percent agree. So yeah, he's going to feature him and then hopefully spin him. So that, that I think that's yeah. I, I think, think that's the plan with Sexton as well. Yeah. Although Tank Commander Sexton, uh, we we've seen what that does. For an organization, it gets them a lot of uh, high picks. Evan Mobley, baby. Just, <laughs> Darius Garland. Darius Garland, you're right. Yeah. Darius, we got our core. Thank you, Colin. You know, young bull. <laughs> young bull, you were a good soldier. <laughs> he was. Um, Eli, are you back? Now, where's he walking this dog? Man, it's, this dog is spoiled. I feel like he's walking to Cleveland so he can meet up with Dave Wood's dog. That, like, and that's a long yeah. walk. So I got to tell my trivia story, yes, but uh, yes, we will we will pause it here, and uh, yeah. I'll wait. Well, I'll wait for Eli to be right yeah. back. <laughs> Welcome back to Captain Podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with the esteemable Chris Francis and Elijah Kim. We not that Chris is esteemable and Eli isn't it? So they're both esteemable. So or estimable? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we were just, uh, eat, while Eli was walking his dog, uh, wishing Colin Sexton and Lori Markinen a melancholy, uh, bon voyage. Uh, Eli, any, uh, parting thoughts about, uh, Lori or Colin? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty bummed that we're not going to see year two of Lori Markinen in Cleveland. He really grew on me. He reminds me a lot of me, a good tall <laughs> three point shooter who, should play inside more, but likes to hang around the perimeter. So. Well, it's because you're such a connector. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm just so athletic and finish really well, too. So, um, But all kidding aside, I'm pretty bummed about marketing not being here. Um, I, I'm also, I mean, all kidding aside, even though I, I was never the biggest Sexton fan in terms of the type of player he was, um, I do have to give him credit. He seemed to always work hard. He seemed to be pretty likable. He never complained publicly. He did what he thought was best to make the Cavs a winnable team. And you know, hey, um, I'm glad he got paid. Yeah, and I, I'm I am too because I mean, he did kind of get hosed. He did, and it was you know it was no fault of his own. It just yeah. he had a freak injury and. He was and, pretty healthy for the first three full seasons of his career, and it just happened to be unlucky. So I'm glad he got paid, and um, you know he gets a fresh start, and 
you know, ironically, he's going to, everyone compared him to sex, uh, Donovan Mitchell because of his height. And, and now they really are going to do him. Yeah. So, um, good for, good for Sexton. And, uh, did no, Sexton like said, play with, uh, Jordan Clarkson, his rookie year? They did. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. he's at least got one familiar face there. Yep. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you, and you know, my answer was um, from the Spurs was uh, let's see, I can't. I this is how important it must be, Josh, Josh Richardson, Richardson, and Eli's or not Eli's. Uh, Chris's was uh, Andrew Wiggins. Anybody the Cavs could add to uh, kind of bring some shooting or some competition to that uh, to that small forward spot. All right. Well, I'm actually going to go in the bargain bargain bin. So these are still free agents and the pickings are very slim. Indeed. But, but I'm going to throw two names out there that I think um, in the past, I think at some point, I think you and I both would have liked some of these players as uh, rotation pieces um, when we're more when the Cavs were more competitive. But the first thing I'm going to throw out there is Tony Snell. I knew right? you were going to say Tony Snell. <laughs> he always kills the Cavs, no matter what team he's on. Well, and he led the NBA in free in three point shooting like two seasons ago, and yeah, yeah he's a really good three point shooter. And he's long, and he's actually I thought he was like 35, but he's only 30 years old. I mean, it's not like it's yeah, not but like he's I, I it, he is aged in dog years by all reports. Correct. But as he, the other guy who I had to look this up, but he is actually signed up the James Ennis bandwagon. I know <laughs> you and I were on that for a while, but he does have a team, so we can't bring him. Is up. he the in name, the NBA or is he in China he, or in he's, Europe? He's in Brooklyn, actually. Oh, he's on Brooklyn? I didn't I know that. I think so. Um, well, I could really? be wrong. He, he finally got picked up and he's finally with Brooklyn, huh? I think so. Let me double check that. Um, <laughs> Googling but, uh, action. Oh, I, I, I'm wrong. He Three plays for. Nice. He's in a different league now. <laughs> the <BTB>. California Penal. <laughs> no. <Damn. laughs> he's in the Russian league. Damn, No, I'm kidding. That is a not a knock on Ennis. That is a major league joke. Yeah. Oh, he's in the Russian way league, to so bring it back. Free. That was excellent, Nate. That was. He's in what league? He's in the Russian league. Is he though? Like, didn't uh, they disband that? Yeah. Like, oh, it's not disbanded. Oh, it's, it's a whole. It should. They're just not allowed in Euro play, right? Correct. Yeah, it's super weird. Okay, but but so because he's he's not eligible. The other player I had was Jeremy Lamb. That's another name. I saw him today, and I thought about that. I was like, that's a guy worth maybe taking a flyer on. Yep. Um, so those are kind of the two of the bargain main guys. Um, so here, here's another idea for you. Would you roll out the, uh, would you make a phone call to Carmelo Anthony? Oh no, I would wow. not. Oh no, I hey. would not. That's would not. Spicy, hey, I like it. I like it. I don't like it because I feel like he's the player no matter what time it is. It's mellow time. <laughs> but but and now he can be the irrational confidence guy, the three-point guy. He's a three-point guy now. But see, the thing is, he tried to do that with LeBron, and LeBron couldn't make him look passable. So, 
Oh I, man, I can't. Awesome. I mean, I mean, you're probably right. Let's be honest. You're probably right. I'm just saying. I I, I just want to kind of give credit to Nate. You know, for you know, going outside his comfort zone. <laughs> Well, yes, I like to literally the embracing, worst. Nate's embracing his inner Hooper, and I feel like we should support <laughs> him. Hooper. Nate's Nate's all about the vibes today. Apparently, that's what's up. That's what's apparently. Up. I'm all about chemistry today. I'm like uh, I'm like Demarcus Aldridge in a wig. I'm I'm a Hooper. <laughs> Demarcus, Demarcus, did you just do uh, like a? Demarcus Cousins, Lamar. No, Aldridge? don't you? Oh, Demar- I Demar- did. No, who was – no, uh, I did. DeAndre Jordan. I'm thinking DeAndre Jordan. Jordan. God, I'm so bad with names. Remember yeah. he was in those Hoopers commercials? Gosh, I'm the worst. Oh, man. <laughs> remember when he got locked in the – remember when he got locked in When they in locked Dallas? him in in Dallas? Yeah, yeah. locked him in in Dallas. Yeah. Good yeah. times. Good times. Okay. <laughs> so I do have a trivia story in question for you guys, uh, but – and this is after the trivia, who will uh, lead the NBA in assists this year? And I'll give you a hint. His name rhymes with Marius Barland. Um, so that's that's my uh, first subtle, trivia question. Real subtle. Real yes, subtle. Yeah. So, but this is, so I play bar trivia. I've played during the summer. Uh, we've won a couple times. Um, it's pretty fun format. You get like 10 questions the first round or 10 or five points first round, 10 the second, three the third, and four the fourth. And then one of those uh, you can uh, double down on. So you you have a possibility of, you know, getting a load of extra credit each round. And then before the final round, you have a 10-point uh, question that has, like, five possible answers, and you get uh, two points for each one, right? So we've been doing that. Uh, we've won a couple times, and they have this thing called – the 105 club, which is kind of the elite tier that you get. And if you get into the 105 club, you get a, you get your name engraved on a piece of wood that says the 105 club. And that's a pretty big honor. I'm not going to lie. Um, and so going into final jeopardy, we've been killing it. We had uh, 55 points uh, and you can embed your whole stack. So we, we were, eligible to get up to 110, which would have put us, you know, well in the pantheon there. Um, you know, we're talking, we're talking mellow territory in terms of uh, NBA significance. And um, we had our final question. I'm going to give you guys the question and, um, and no hot Googling action. You can't, uh, you can't cheat on this one. That would, uh, that would be lame. Um, so don't Google this one, but, and of course they have a hard and fast, no cell phone rules at, at trivia here, but, uh, America's Damn. first multimillionaire, uh, was John Jacob Astor. Uh, what industry, uh, did he build his fortune in? I'm going to say shipping. And, and I will give you another hint, um, uh, he did. Uh, he is a part of Michigan history. That was the other hint that we got. So, oh, he, take uh, my answer back. wasn't he a car guy? I'm gonna uh, say. I'm gonna say oil. Okay, so um, the 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 where it came up for us was that somebody said that he was on the Titanic on our team, 
um, you know, looking up after he was not, but <laughs> supposedly this person's memory, he was in the movie and he was wearing, and, and he was in the Titanic. So our guest was lumber, uh, because lumber was a huge industry in Michigan, uh, especially on the West coast. Uh, unfortunately that was the wrong answer. The correct answer was fur, uh, which fur, fur yeah. Um, the his trading post in uh, on Mackinac Island uh, or on the Missouri River was so profitable that it only took four decades for Astor to become America's first multimillionaire. So there you go. That's and then so we were relegated to zero points. And may God have mercy on our soul. And so the only thing we get is the ability to suggest a uh, a category for the next week. So. Uh, if you have any ideas, let me know. So <laughs> I do want to go on your Titanic point. Your buddy is right, but it's actually his great-great-grandfather. That's the guy that – that's the person who died on the Titanic. Okay. Was his great-great-grandfather. That's John G. Okay. So the guy that you guys were supposed to guess, the fur guy, is the first. And I think the guy that died on the Titanic is the first. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Did he name his kids George, like George Foreman, and that's why they all have the same name? They're all, I think they're either John or William, and they all okay. have the same name for five generations, I think. Interesting. Okay. And so he was wearing a big beaver hat. I didn't want to give that away in the uh, in the Titanic movie. So that's why the guy thought he, he, so we turned in our question, then he thought of fur after we turned it in, and. Uh, he was, he's been kicking himself ever since. So that's, anyway, that's, that's, that's my trivia story. Uh, Eli or Chris, anything to pitch or have we uh, burned it out enough? I, you know, uh, no, sh- sh- I'll, I'll give a shout out, shout out to dad. Since he Oh yeah. There you go. Nice. So nice. me and Nate and Eli saying what's up. Shout okay. out there. I feel like uh, Eli Eli needs to shout somebody out here too, or or should I say Uncle I, Eli needs to shout somebody ooh. out here? Oh, well, okay. yeah. I guess I'll throw a shout out to my little nephew. My first, um, his name is Nehemiah. Our family is very big on biblical names, so nice. that's a good name. I like that, that is a Nehemiah and Elijah. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. well, like it's it. because my brother's name is Ezra. And uh, Nehemiah is the oh, book nice. after Ezra's nice. Bible. So. Well, you know what that name is? It's better than Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Better than Ezra. But ironically, uh, the nickname we use for him is Nemo. Um, nice. So we all call him Nemo. I like that. I like nice. that. Nice. That's good stuff. I like so. that. And yeah. And with that, uh, we will. Uh, when's training camp kick off? About uh, four weeks. I don't even think it's that long. Maybe less. I think it's yeah. two weeks. Holy crap! Where? Because first mind? first game is mid October. So yeah. No early. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. First game's mid. The first preseason game is in a month. Yeah. Thirty four days. Wow. Awesome. So uh, yeah, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.